Well, I wanted to roll over and go back to sleep this morning. I don't know about you guys, but uh, this, that's, it's a uniquely rainy morning. Uh, normally, we get the, uh, the thunder, afternoon thunderstorm. So, um, man, what incredible worship. Thank you. Um, that's... It, it, have you ever heard, like, the expression, like, high worship, right? Like, like there's, there's worship, and then there's times when it, it just... It, it helps put us in the right perspective. It, it, it puts God in his rightful place on the throne. And, and, and I think we're going to sing one more song that's going to kind of reinforce that at the end. And, and so I, I was in here this morning as they were practicing. and It's just good. It's good for us to worship God that way. Um, because what... what, what what I'm going to ask us this morning is a tough question, um, and I'm not going to ask until the very end, so you're going to have to listen up. But the kids are in here this morning, so be patient with them and their parents. Hi, kids. I hope you guys have a great time. Hopefully, you got some coloring stuff, some stuff to keep you occupied. At some point, we might bring back bingo, maybe. I'm feeling a little better about it. I think we could do it. It's been a while, um, but... Um, but welcome, welcome. If you're a guest here, welcome. Um, you know, please stop me on your way out. I'd love to see you and say hi. And if you're joining us on, on YouTube, welcome. Um, we're going to be taking communion at the end. So if you are at home and you've got bread and juice, you can just get up now and go, you know, listen to me while you get things in order. But um, we'll have it on the sides and I'll walk us through that again this morning. But before we get started, let me pray. You are holy, Father. You are not like us. Remind us of that. That as, as much as we feel that we are in control of our lives, we are not. And you are. I pray, Father, that that would give us peace. Because you're so much better than we are incomparably so. Father, we, we adore you and we trust you. And God, this morning as, as we read through what it is to follow you, I pray, Father, that you would just pierce our hearts. Allow these words that you've preserved for us to speak to us, not just intellectually, not just in our brains, but that it would reside in our hearts and convict us and pierce our souls and cause us to follow you, to seek you in our lives. We love you, Father. We thank you for the privilege of worshiping you this morning. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, I'm afraid to ask the question since I asked it last Sunday and nobody knew the answer. But um, All right, so we're, living, we're talking about living a life on mission, right? And we, we, the very first week, I'm just going to say it so to save me the embarrassment, um, but we're, we're, we're living, God has sent us to go and make God known, right? Like that's why you woke up this morning and you took a breath, because your job today is to make God known. And so he sent us out. Last week we saw that he sent us out as witnesses, right? 
and that we are to go and proclaim like what God has done in our lives and, and who he is, right? The disciples obviously were witnesses of his life, death, and resurrection, and we have their accounts, but, but we see God working and living through our lives. And so this is a, uh, we are witnesses of God's grace and mercy every day, or we have the potential to. But here's the catch. The only way you're going to witness God doing something is if you're following him. Just, I mean, just from a sheer basic, if you wanted to, I mean, look around the room. If you were like, hey, I wonder what that person's life is like, how would you know? You'd have to go follow them around. Go where they go, listen to how they speak, listen to what they do, how they react, and, and after a day, you'd probably have a pretty good idea of what that person is like. And in fact, you could even tell other people what that person is like. But without doing that, you with me here? Without following that person around, you really don't know. You really can't be a witness of what their life is like. And you certainly can't tell other people what they're like. And as a complete side note, right? Like this is why we spend time together, right? And so that we can be in each other's lives and so we can be an encouragement and we can testify to God's grace in each other's lives. When, when life gets rough and things are difficult, we can point back to the cross. We can go, yeah, but God's sovereign. He's holy, he's in control. So don't worry, right? And, then, and we allow people's lives to be shaped and then we get to witness God working in people's lives, not just our own, not just alone, not just our own. I mean, look at everybody in this church and those that are at home, right? Like you have an opportunity to witness God's working in their lives. You do, but you gotta know them. You gotta spend time with them. And so in the same way, if we are to witness to Christ, if we are to witness to God's grace and mercy through the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, we have to follow him. We have to follow Jesus. Now, for the disciples, that was a little bit easier, right? Because he said, hey, follow me. And they legitimately, like, physically followed him, right? So we're going to turn over to that um, in a second. Um, well, you can turn over to it now. Luke chapter 5. And what we're going to see is that witnesses, witnesses, us, follow Jesus, this isn't just intellectual, okay? Witnesses follow Jesus. If we are to witness to God's grace and mercy, we must be following Christ. And so turn to Luke chapter five, verse 10. It says, this is Jesus calling the disciples, and it says, and so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything, and they followed him. Now, we read this story, and we go, okay, they left everything. Uh, they followed him. Okay, that, it's unique. We don't see that very much modern day, right? Turn over to verse 27. Luke chapter 5, verse 27. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. Now, following, being a disciple, these are the same words, right? That's what discipleship is, right? Following. 
it was actually fairly common. It wasn't, it wasn't abnormal for Jesus, for some rabbi, to have disciples. Like, that was ordinary. And I understand, like, there's some cultural differences here, right? Like, we don't, we don't follow other people. But for them in that day, it was, it was to say, I respect this person enough that I want to know what they know. I want to leave everything and follow them. So it wasn't entirely unconventional, and it wasn't unique to Jesus in particular to have disciples. So that, that usually people kind of think that that's something that was unique to him, but it, it really wasn't. Now, what was unique was that he was the son of God, right? So, and, and what the significance of this is, is that we are still called to be his disciples. We are. Jesus. Jesus isn't right here, like we're not, we're not following physically Jesus, and yet we are still called to be his disciples. We are called to follow him. And so if we're gonna make God known, if we're gonna witness to him, we need to be following him. If you would, turn over to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. Now this is Peter writing, and we, we just went through 1 Peter, right? So he's writing to the diaspora, right? Like everybody that's been scattered everywhere, believers, like this is, this is everybody. These aren't the 12 disciples. This is everybody that is a follower of Christ. And listen to what he says. He says, for to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Kids, you guys ever walk in your parents' steps on the beach, anywhere you see their footprints? Even as adults, if I'm out running, there's something weird in my brain. Like if there are steps, I will try to like line up with them. I don't know why. Maybe that says something about my personality. I don't know. But right, like this is what Peter's saying. He's like, follow in his steps. His steps are still there for us to follow. And go back to Luke chapter 14. Jesus says the same thing to his disciples. And in fact, he broadens who he's talking to. This is what he says in Luke chapter 14, verse 27. Jesus says, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me, cannot be my disciple. Now Jesus flips this and he puts it on the negative. He goes, here's the qualification to be a disciple. To follow Jesus, you have to bear your cross. So there's a, there's a criteria here. But notice what he says, the very first word, whoever. Whoever. It doesn't matter anybody. Whoever. He's not just talking to the disciples. He's like, if anybody wants to be my disciple, this is the requirement. And so what we see in both of these verses, both 1 Peter and in, from Jesus' mouth in Luke chapter 14, we see that there's this kind of trade-off. Peter says, Jesus suffered, you're gonna suffer, and you're gonna follow in his steps. And Jesus says, you're gonna bear your cross, and you're gonna follow me. It's a trade-off here. You see, I'm going to say something here. You're probably not going to like it when I first say it, and then I'm going to prove it. Following Jesus is costly. It's not free. I understand that we think our society, our culture, 
American Christianity thinks that following Jesus is just something, it's kind of something, it's synonymous with believing in Jesus. Is it the same thing? In fact, I would argue that believing in Jesus is not necessarily following Jesus. But if you're following Jesus, you believe in Jesus. We're going to kind of break down some of these words. Because it's costly. This isn't something that's light. And in fact, what we're going to see is that Jesus is very clear about the costs of following him. And so I want you to start thinking right now. Where has, Jesus, where has it cost you in your life? Because I would venture to guess that it's hard for us to, to say, to answer that. It might be hard for you to say, this is where following Jesus has cost me something. This doesn't mean you gotta go out and try to lose something, okay? That's not, that's not the point of this. This isn't the point that you're trying to go and lose and, and be insulted and, right, try to be offended for Jesus and then you feel better about yourself because it costs you something. That's not the point. And we're gonna dissect what this means. But it does mean that in your life of following Christ, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. It costs to follow Jesus. So turn back to Luke chapter nine, and we're gonna, we're gonna walk through these, and we're gonna see Jesus doesn't hide this cost. He's not a used car salesman. I'm sorry if you are one in here. Apologize, but right, he's not like, there's not all these like dealer fees and hidden fees. He's like, no, come here, come here. It's all great. There's coffee, donuts. Come on, come on, come on. Oh, here's, here's, the, here's the thing he's been holding out on us. Jesus doesn't do that. In fact, very often, if you're reading through the gospels, very often when the crowds start getting big, Jesus says something and they scatter. Because Jesus knows that it costs. And the reality is that a lot of us don't want to pay. Look at what he says in Luke chapter 9, verse 24. We're just going to roll through a few of these things, and they're going to hurt, okay? 24, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Yeah, that's a pretty broad one. It's just your life. I've said this before, but, I, and I haven't been put to the, to the test on this one, and I don't know whether God would see fit for me too, but I would argue it's much harder to live for Jesus than it is to die for Jesus. Somebody was threatening my life. I, this, this is not the best sermon for uh, Family Sunday, by the way. <laughs> I had to... I had to pull a few punches. Um, but, I mean, honestly, um, if I were given the, hey, confess, you know, reject Jesus or, or, or perish, I think I would be able to make that decision fairly quickly. But to wake up tomorrow morning and to live for Jesus is a lot harder proposition. And to do it all day and the next day and the next day, 
Turn over to verse 57, chapter, Luke chapter nine, verse 57. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. This is a beautiful run, right? Because he's like, I will be your disciple. And look at Jesus' response. Jesus doesn't go like, oh, great, awesome, more, more, more people. This is fantastic. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get some numbers. We gotta, we gotta start this movement. Verse 58, and Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord. But let me first say farewell to those in my home. Is that not the most reasonable request? I just want to say bye. <laughs> I'm leaving everything. I'm, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. Let me just say bye. I don't want them to wonder where I'm at. It's not like they can look me up on Life 360 and see where I am. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is costly. When, when people say that they believe in Jesus and they want to follow him, Jesus doesn't say, that's great, it's easy, you're going to love it. He says it's going to cost you. You ready? It's going to cost you. There's more. Go, to, go back to Luke chapter 14, verse 25. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Well, I love my family, and so this is a really tough predicament, isn't it? This is a tough one, and, and I, I actually was kind of, if, if you research this, there's, there's a lot of ways that people talk about this. And, and you got to be careful because the metaphors don't always work entirely. But I, I want to give you an example that I think helps to kind of capture this a little bit. And, and this is for the kids too. Because, because if I'm telling your parents that, that, and I'm telling you that like, there's hate within your family, in order to follow Jesus, you need to hate your parents and you hate your brothers and sisters, right? Like, this is a tough one, right? If we're taking, this is scripture. Kids, don't be using this this afternoon, okay? Because <laughs> you gotta listen to me. Okay, I, wanna, I want you to imagine that you're in a boat, okay? And the boat is sinking. And it's taking on water, okay? And your family is on that end of the boat. And you're over on this end of the boat. And you're looking at your family and you realize that it's sinking. And you go, I want to go be with my family, right? Everybody would do this. Your kids have this desperate save me, right? Like, I, mom, dad, I think you've got the power over everything. And so if you would just come to me, you would save me. And you start to go. And the captain of the boat goes, no, stop. I need you to stay there. Because if you go over there, then the, 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 the balance is going to tip, and we're going to take on water, and we're going we're to sink. But if you stay here, we're not going to sink. You need to stay there. Do you listen to the captain? 
What do your kids think? Your kids are like, no, come to me. And you're like, no, it's better if I don't right now. Trust me. I'm trusting this captain. The captain said don't move. I'm guessing he knows how this boat works. And so the best thing I can do for you, the best thing I can do for our family is to stay where I'm at. Now, that metaphor doesn't work entirely, but it's a good swing. You see, so often we think that the right way to respond to our families, to our parents, is to do the things that, that feel good and that, that, that seem to be satisfying and, and dull the moment and, and make everybody happy and smiley. And following Jesus doesn't do that. Following Jesus doesn't do that. It means it's going to cost you something. It means it's going to cost you time that you could otherwise be hanging out with your kids or your spouse. It's going to cost you emotional bandwidth. It's going to cost you different things in your life. And the question is, is, is it worth it? And what Jesus is saying is, is not that, that you should actually hate them, but that you know that the best thing for them by leading by example and in their life is to follow Jesus first and foremost. That's what he's trying to say here. It's hyperbole. He's, he's exaggerating here. And obviously, right, we know this to be true because he's saying you have to hate yourself. Right? Jesus isn't telling us to actually hate ourselves. What he's saying is take everything that you are and that you want to be and your dreams and all of that and say, I'm putting this to the side. I'm putting Jesus first. Jesus comes first. Everything I'm looking at in my life goes through the filter of Jesus. That's what he's saying here. We could spend the entire time talking about that. Uh, skip down to verse 33. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. That word renounce means to forsake, to cast away, to separate from. Not many of us are going to be asked to actually pay that price. Other people in the globe are very frequently. Other people in history have been called to do that. You may be called to do that. I don't know. I may be called to do that, to renounce everything I have and say, if this is, if this is what he's telling me following him looks like today, then it is what it is. But I think what you're going to find is that the cost for us is, is a daily cost. It means that it means that when you wake up in the morning and you think about what you're going to do that day, it falls under the umbrella of following Jesus. It means every decision that you make falls under the umbrella of following Jesus. That's what it means. All of your possessions, all of your time, everything. There's no time for you to, to say, well, this is, this is mine. God doesn't want this part. 
This is, this is this part of my life, and this is Sunday morning. This is this part of my life, and then this is a little bit of the other stuff that I do that's, that's Jesus-centered. That's not what he says. He says, renounce all that you have. And James and John and Levi and the other disciples, they did that. They left everything that they had. And maybe something to just dwell on is to go, hey, would I? Would I actually leave everything I have? If God called me to account on this, if God said, hey, it's game time, I need you to do this, would we? Turn over to Galatians 2.20. Paul captures this. as he writes about what our life in Christ looks like. And he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We're dead. Our life is nothing, but useful for glorifying God. This is what he's saying. And so you may have somebody in your life, right, that, that you know, we've been talking about sharing the gospel, right? And you go, well, I, you know, I just, just doesn't ever seem to be the right time. I just don't know if I, if I want to risk that. Do I really want to cross that, <laughs> that line in the sand of our relationship and make that statement and ask them if they go to church? Ask them if they know Jesus? Because there's a risk. What's the risk? Your friendship, embarrassment, renounce all that you have. That includes you. That includes your reputation. What about your work, your promotion, your career? Maybe God's going to ask you, consider that with respect to following him. Maybe, maybe there's a career decision that you could make and he's going... You can make that. I want you to go this way. And I want you to give up that. I want you to give it up. It's not that important. It's really not. Are you, are you willing? So that's the cost. But here's the beautiful part. It's an exchange. That's the cost to following Jesus, but there's gifts. Jesus gives us something in return. And it's not this, so let me give you an example. If you were to offer me a dozen beautiful, red, plump, juicy tomatoes, and you said, I will give this, all of these to you for five cents, I would tell you, no deal, because tomatoes are disgusting. There is, there is no cost that I would spend one cent and you can keep them, okay? Now, some of you may be like, I'd do that for five bucks, right? And I don't even know what the price of tomatoes are because who cares? Um, <laughs> there, there's an exchange here. And so when, when we look at this cost and we go, that's a big cost, me, my, who I am, my image, my identity, my job, my family, my life. Why? 
Why in the world would I follow Jesus? Why would we follow Jesus? Turn over to John chapter 10. Verse 27. Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Verse 28. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. That's it. He gives you eternal life. Following Jesus is eternal life. And so the question then, is is it worth it? Is that a good exchange? Turn over a few pages to John chapter 6, verse 66. Jesus tells them about who he is and his sacrifice. It says, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? And listen to what Simon Peter says. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. You don't have to follow Jesus. But that's the only way to get eternal life. So it, it may not be worth it to you. I hope if you're here, my prayer is that it is worth it. As you kids grow up, like there's a lot of, the, the world is gonna tell you it's not worth it. I mean, Paul even says, man, if this isn't right, we are to be the most pitied of people. He's very honest about it. Because why? Because you're paying out. If it was free, if it didn't cost anything, eh, you might as well ride the bet. Because what do you lose? That's the problem. It does cost. That's why Paul says we are to be the most pitied. But the reality is, is all of these disciples, well, nearly all of them, died proclaiming Jesus as Christ following Jesus. They sacrificed their entire lives for Jesus. It costs them everything. And what, what he's saying here is that it costs us everything, but he gives us eternal life. There's this great parable in, in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. It's a, it's a one-line parable. So really, there's no excuse for us not to have it memorized. But um, well, it's, it's two and a half lines in my Bible, but it's one verse. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. What a simple parable. This is, this is, what, this is what he's saying. is like the, the eternal life, it's everything. This guy finds the kingdom of heaven. He, he finds eternity, right? Like, it's a parable, so don't go too far with it, right? Because you're like, well, why didn't he just dig it up and take it with him? What did he do for food and shelter? 
Doesn't seem like very practical. It's not the point. What Jesus' point here is that it was worth everything that he had. It was worth everything. He sold everything that he had. He bought the field. And he did it joyfully. Joyfully. The message that Jesus brings is not one of doldrum and despair. And I'm sorry, this is just what it is to follow Jesus. It's going to be horrible. Good luck. Have a good day. That's not it. It's that, it's, it's that we open our eyes and open our ears and we see that, that what he promises us of eternal life is incomparably more significant than our miserable 80 to 90 years here on this earth. And it's certainly more important than your job. And it's certainly more important than your chill time and your unplugging and it's Right? I mean, we could go on and on and on, and, and it's certainly more important than your reputation. And so what he's saying is, joyfully, he bought the field. But it's not just, it's not just eternal life. Honestly, if it was eternal life, that would probably be sufficient, at least for me. In my, in my equation, I go... Eternal life, eternal death, I'll take eternal life. Seems very, very simple. But, but he gives us even more than that. He gives us stuff for here and now. It's more than just these eternal gifts. There's, there's temporal gifts. There's gifts. He allows us to live this life with peace and contentment and joy and security. That's, that's a lot. That's a lot. Look at, look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24. Or sorry, verse 22 to 24. This is Paul, and he's, he's talking about what our life is like. And he says, put off your old self belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Verse 24, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. He says, put off. Put off your old self, your deceitful desires. Be renewed in your mind. Change, the Holy Spirit is going to change the way that you think and put on the new self with righteousness and holiness. See, right here, right now, we're not, we're not just waiting for something. God's not asking us to, to pay and to sacrifice everything, to pay this heavy cost for the hope of eternity only. He actually promises us benefits and blessings here and now. Now, this isn't prosperity gospel. He's not going to buy you a car. You're not going to get a bigger house. That's not how this works. That's not what this is about. In fact, it's the exact opposite of that, most likely. And so what he says is, when you're following Christ, it costs you. You got to get rid of these things. But you know what these things have? 
your deceitful desires all wrapped up in them. So he says, he says, he says, in fact, when you're following Jesus, you're gonna love yourself more because you're gonna know who you are in God's image. You're gonna know who God made you to be. And you're not gonna be chasing around what the world says that you should be. That's what you get when you're following Jesus. When you're following Jesus and, and chaos seems to be rolling all around you and you have no idea what's going on, Following Jesus gives you comfort and security to know that God is sovereign and he's in control of all these things and that everything is for his glory and your good. And so you can have peace in the midst of chaos. Following Jesus gives you contentment so that you're not always looking for the next new shiny thing to, to kind of give you and bump up your contentment level when it starts getting lower. You gotta hop onto Amazon and go buy something to feel a little better. He gives you contentment because you have everything you need in Christ. When your relationships are demanding more and more time from you, and you're thinking, man, I just, I want to be done with this, God gives you the strength to pour into those relationships and to watch God work in the midst of them. And he blesses you with that. This isn't just a blessing of eternity. This is a blessing for today and tomorrow and the next day after that. And so you look at this, you go, what's the cost? Well, the cost is heavy. The cost of following Jesus means I gotta get rid of all of this stuff and I'm not gonna hold on to this stuff with, with a firm grasp. In fact, my hand is open and if God wants to take it away from me, take it. Because I know, because I know that following Christ is of so much more significance. And so the question then for us is, is it worth it? And that's what Jesus presents to him in Luke chapter 14. We, we read the verses before it, and we read the verse after it. But listen to what he says, Luke uh, 14, 28. He says, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost? whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes out against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. Jesus says, is it worth it? Is it worth it to you? Count the cost. Have you made this estimation in your life? And Jesus isn't afraid. He's not afraid that you're gonna, you're gonna go, no, it's not worth the cost. Plenty of people did in the Bible. Plenty of people do now. Maybe you have up to this point. I would say the vast majority of the world just hasn't taken the time to count the cost. They just haven't gone, well, is it worth it? So is it worth it to you? To, to make God known, to go out, to be sent, to be witnesses of the gospel, meaning that we have to 
follow Christ. And following Christ means we need to renounce everything that we have. Is it worth it? This is, this is for us. The verse isn't on the screen, but if you turn over to Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, Paul says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. That's my prayer for all of us. That we could look at our lives and count all these things as rubbish compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Is it to you? Because it's one or the other. Either, either you don't understand what God is promising you, you don't have a good estimation of that, or you don't understand what the cost is. So we need to be really clear. And, and parents with our kids, this isn't something you go, hey, it's all, it's all coconut and rainbows and it's all great stuff following Jesus, it's, it's just it's going to make your life perfect, and, and you're just not going to have a care in the world, and you'll be able to skip and whistle all the time. That's just not the reality. But you all have a deep, steady security and confidence and peace and contentment that is worth more than its weight in gold and an eternity with your Creator. It's totally worth it. It's totally worth it, you guys. And if, and if you're in here and you're like, I've never really thought about it this way, I would just encourage you, just ask God. Ask God if you, to forgive you and just turn and go, God, I want to follow you. Because that's it. That, that's all God is waiting for, is you to go, it's worth it. This kingdom I've built for myself, it's rubbish. Let's pray.